You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. As we continue to work through uh, this, this series, as we look to God's plan for salvation, uh, last week we, uh, we left off with, with Jesus stating that He is the kingdom of heaven. Right? And through that, we see that, that His public ministry, His teachings, and His miracles all reveal to us who He is, that He is the Son of God. He is the, the Son of Man. He is God and man together as one. And this week, we, we finally get to that moment that we've been looking forward to, that moment where the, the Old Testament stories ha, ha, that, 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 that they have promised us, that they've pointed us to, right? Because it is Jesus who fills those, uh, fulfills those Old Testament prophecies, right? The Old Testament points us to the moment where, where the seed uh, of Eve, the seed of the woman, crushed the serpent's head, where God provided a substitute for Isaac and for you and for me, where, where the great Passover lamb was sacrificed, where, where David's son slayed the giant Satan, and where Jesus was laid into the tomb, the lion's den of death. But as we look at that moment today, I want us to make sure we recognize that today is just part one of two. Right, so if you're here today, I, I, I need you here back next week, right? Because, because today is just part one of part two, right? There is, there, is, there is no good in the death of Jesus without the rest of the story, right? Friday's good because Sunday's coming, and so we need, to, we need to hear the story of the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, because without the resurrection, Jesus would be like, like Buddha or Muhammad, Great people who are dead, but he's alive, right? Hallelujah, he is alive. The cross means nothing without the empty tomb, so don't miss part two next week. But, but today, part one, we get to look to see how Jesus was led to the cross, where he was accused of, of blasphemy where he was betrayed by one of his closest friends, Judas, and then handed over to Jewish leaders where they falsely uh, convicted him and then took him to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, who then sentenced him to death. And at any point in that time, Jesus could have walked away. There were many times where the crowds tried to, to get him, to kill him, and he just walked right through the middle of them. And so at any point, Jesus could have walked away, but he willingly made his way to the cross. And that's where we pick up our reading from Luke chapter 23 today. And so as they led him away, they seized one, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And then two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. 
Today, as we, as we look at this accounting of, of the death of Jesus, we're going to be looking at what is called the, the seven words of Jesus. There are seven statements that Jesus makes from the cross, and we're going to look at each one of those today. Uh, and some of those are in multiple Gospels, and some of those we only find in one of the Gospels. But this is the first one today, is, as, as Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As we hear those words, that's such a, such a plot twist from, from how we would be acting, or how we would probably be responding if we were in Jesus' place, right? He was innocent. He shouldn't have been hanging on the cross, and so he could have railed against those who hung him on the cross, but instead he pleaded for them. And in doing so, he also pleads for us. He asks the Father to turn away his wrath from those who placed him on the cross and to, to place it on Jesus instead, right? Because it's my sins that place Jesus on the cross. It's your sins. It's the sins of, of all people that placed Jesus on the cross. Again, it's like Jesus saying, Father, unleash your furious wrath that, that's meant for their sins and release it on me instead of on them. And then Luke continues that one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and save us, please. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, we deserve to be here for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And so he turned and he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responded, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Right, this, this man, this, this thief on the cross, he gives to us the, the, the deathbed confessions of all deathbed confessions. Right, there is no way for him to respond, no way for him to, 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 uh, to go and to make amends for, for the wrong that he's done. And so he does the only thing that he knows that he, that, that he can do is he turns to Jesus and says, have mercy on me. Remember me in your kingdom. Now these, these deathbed opportunities or, or these, these deathbed confessions are not always an opportunity. So, right, we shouldn't wait until we're on our deathbed to then turn to Jesus. But for those who do turn to Jesus on their deathbed, Jesus says the same thing to them. Right? Today you will be with me in paradise. And there have been there are a number of times where I've been able to sit at the bedside of someone who is about to go be with Jesus. And, and what, no matter their faithfulness, uh, uh, no matter if they've been in worship every day of their life or every week of their lives or if they've been, uh, or if I've never met them before, I still love to sit with them and remind them of the good news of Jesus or tell them for the first time of the good news of Jesus. And then I get to ask them three questions. And they're the three questions that I'm going to ask you today. So I encourage you to respond, uh, but uh, if you're confused as to how to respond, the answer is yes, okay? All right, three questions. Uh, are you a sinner? Yes. Is Jesus your Savior? Yes. And do you confess your sins and ask for forgiveness of those sins? Yes. All right, three very simple questions, three very simple answers, but three very profound answers questions and answers, because as you answer yes to that, really what you are saying is, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, because Jesus 
has completely satisfied God's wrath that was meant for you and me. He satisfied that with himself on the cross. And so maybe you'll notice a pattern as we continue to hear these words of Jesus that each one of them is Jesus saying, let me take your place instead. All right, so then we continue. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his home. And then you might be wondering, well, what does this have to do with me? And what does this have to do uh, with, with even this story? It seems like such a weird cutaway that we see Jesus hanging here on the cross and all of a sudden he looks over at his mom and John the evangelist and has this little side conversation with them. But what Jesus is doing here is he's fulfilling his earthly duties, even while hanging on the cross. He's fulfilling the fourth commandment because, and fourth commandment is honor your father and mother, right? Jesus was... Uh, at some point between when he was 12 and, and this time that he's on the cross, somewhere in there, his father Joseph had died. We don't know when that would have happened, uh, but we know based on this interaction especially that, that Joseph must not be alive anymore because that means that Jesus became the head of the household. Right? It is, it's now his job to care for his mother and to care for any other family that he might have and so Jesus, even while on the cross, is still fulfilling his earthly duties, still fulfilling the fourth commandment, knowing that we break those commandments. We don't fulfill our earthly duties. And so even while hanging on the cross, he's still fulfilling God's law in his life. And then we see that at about the sixth hour, uh, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. So from about noon to, to three o'clock, well, the sun's light failed, and the curtain of temple was torn in two, and Jesus and all those around him were cast into darkness. Now, throughout, you know, last week again, we talked about the kingdom of heaven and how Jesus preached on the kingdom of heaven and how Jesus was the kingdom of heaven, but especially during the last week of his life, Jesus preached a lot of parables or taught a lot of parables that started with, the kingdom of heaven is like. And he'd tell this story or tell this parable, and he would talk about how there are some people who are inside that kingdom, but there are others who are outside. And always those who are outside are those who are then cast into the out of outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so here we see Jesus being cast into darkness as the sun fails. We see Jesus weeping and, and him gnashing his teeth all, again, taking your place, paying the, the price that was meant for you on the cross. Here, Jesus is the one whose heel is bruised by the serpent's fang. Here, Jesus is the ram that is caught in the thorn, the, the being prepared to be sacrificed as a substitute. Jesus, the, the Passover lamb who is, whose blood then uh, allows the angel of death to pass over us on judgment day. And then Jesus continues, then at about that ninth hour, he cries out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Again, I think you're probably seeing this pattern, right? It's, it's not Jesus who should have been forsaken, it's me. It's you who should have been forsaken, who, who God should have turned his back on. But instead, Jesus takes our place on the cross. And then after this, Jesus, knowing 
now that all was finished, he said to fulfill the Scripture, I thirst. And then Jesus, when he had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So he's fulfilled the Scriptures, and he's proclaimed completion, right? It is finished. The Greek word that, that Jesus speaks there, and again, that's why we call them the seven words, because a lot of these are just single words that we need to flesh out a little bit in English, but the one word that he speaks there is tetelestai. And as he speaks that, as we hear it is finished, uh, it might sound like Jesus is saying, my life is finished, I'm dying, uh, I, I, it's over. But actually that word tetelestai, it's a Greek, again, a Greek word that's an accounting term, meaning paid in full. Right? Everything has been paid. And what Jesus is saying is there is no payment necessary for your sins here on this earth or after earth. There's no penance that you need to pay here on this earth. There's no, there's no purgatory waiting for you to pay off your sins after you die. Because after you die, the only thing that is waiting for you is Jesus with his open arms waiting to embrace you. Even the dread of judgment day is gone, right? Because when Jesus looks at you on that last day, He doesn't see your guilt. He won't see your sin. Instead, He will only see His righteousness that He places on you in the, in the waters of baptism, right? The, the robes of His righteousness that covers all of your sin, the, the blood of the Lamb that washes you white as snow. And finally, Jesus calling out in a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Jesus dies. And Jesus dies for you, for the forgiveness of your sin. But remember, today is just part one of part two. Today is just the beginning of the story. Next week, come back to hear the, the rest of the story. Friday's good because Sunday's coming, and so uh, today, instead of ending with an amen, we're going to end with, with three words that often come between part one and part two, right? And I'll, I'll have you say it with me, to be continued.